Hey guys, welcome to a segment of the Grind Never Stops podcast. In today's show, uh, it will be we won't we won't talk about any specific topics, as we have a, a special guest here, and uh, I'm gonna let him uh, get on the floor and uh, we go ahead. Yeah. So, how y'all doing, everyone? My name is Eugene Campbell. I am a professional basketball player in my third country, playing overseas. I'm from Jersey City, New Jersey. I was born in Hoboken. And I have a very great story to tell about my basketball career and my journey of how I became the person I am today. Okay, and uh, it, it's been a dream come true, true for you to uh, uh, send me a message, but uh, I just wanna, I want you to explain your story and then, uh, I'll ask you a few questions. Okay, so we can go all the way back from, you know, growing up in Jersey City. It was a pretty bad environment, but my parents, you know, kept me away from the, the violence and the drugs. And, you know, I had both parents at home. I didn't have a single, you know, parent raising me and my sister. I had both parents. And I didn't have the best situation, but we were very uh, livable and we, we didn't really have to, you know, struggle. But, you know, the environment that we were living in wasn't the greatest. So our parents decided to, to move out of Jersey City and move to a suburban neighborhood. And in this neighborhood, it was very difficult for me, you know, because I started making friends in Jersey City and at this time, before I moved from Jersey City, I had already attended about two schools, two different schools. So it was hard for me to make friends in the beginning of my, my childhood because I was constantly changing schools. And I was able to go to a Lutheran school from pre-K to third grade and go to a Catholic school in fourth and fifth grade. And when I was moving to Carteret, I actually attended a public school. So it was a big difference in the way the kids were. You know, there wasn't any uniform. It was a lot less strict, a lot more free. A lot of things were said that weren't really said in a Catholic school. So basically growing up, it was about me adjusting to new situations, adapting to new environments and meeting new people. And during this time period, I wasn't really too focused on playing basketball until it was time for me to go to middle school. So once I went to middle school, the, the new Catholic school that I had went to after fifth grade had a basketball team. And on this basketball team, my father was able to get the head coaching job for the team. So it was a way for me to, you know, start playing basketball and why not play basketball with your father coaching. So that was a, a great experience. I had fun with that. I was able to make it to the championship that year and lose, but we, we had a great season. And after going to this Catholic school for about two years, I went to another school. But before going to that school, I actually had a strong liking for baseball in about seventh grade, I didn't really care too much about basketball at this time. I was leaning more towards baseball. You know, I gave it a try. and It was something that 
I picked up on fast that I actually liked more than basketball. And I was actually pretty good at it for, for me not, you know, playing the sport for such a long time at all. So me playing baseball was a great experience. And it shortly came to an end when it was a teacher that said that I was failing a class and I really wasn't failing the class. So they took me off of the baseball team and it kind of crushed me, you know, because that was something that I started to really like and pick up on. And it kind of took that away from me. And when, when my seventh grade year was over, I transferred to another Catholic school. And in this Catholic school, they didn't have a basketball team. So I was caught in another dilemma where, okay, I wasn't able to play baseball and I lost passion for the sport because it was taken away from me. And now I don't have a basketball team my eighth grade year. So, you know, it was a very frustrating experience and I had to go through a lot of adversity. But, you know, going into the summer of my, my eighth grade year, you know, I decided that when I went to high school, I wanted to try out for the basketball team. So I went to the tryouts, tried out, and unfortunately I was cut from the team. Even though I felt like I was better than a majority of the players on the team, the coach felt like I wasn't good enough or they just didn't want me to play. So, you know, I kind of took it personal. I was upset. And it was a good thing that that happened because it gave me a chip on my shoulder that I have to this day. So I started working hard that summer. I started grinding. I started playing basketball a lot more. I started working out in the morning and the night, just dedicating my whole summer to getting better so I can make the team going into my sophomore year. So my sophomore year, I was able to make the team and I was able to start over the players that I was cut for from the coach. So it made me realize that, you know, if you work hard, anything's possible. So once I made the um, team, I was progressing each year and, you know, I was able to play varsity and start at varsity my senior year. And, you know, we had a pretty decent season. So going into my senior year, after it was finished, I didn't have any offers to play in college. So I figured I'd just, you know, start from the bottom and, and see where I can go from there. So it was then that I decided to go to a, a community college and, and walk on as a basketball player there and just try out for the team. You know, I wasn't recruited, so I had to make sure that I made the team through the tryouts. So I went to the tryouts, I made the team, and I had an exceptional season. You know, I came off the bench, but I was definitely one of the main players on the team. And my next year, you know, I was able to get the starter position and I led my team in scoring and I was an all-conference player. So, you know, there was just progression and there was a lot of, of growth within my basketball career as I started to play in college. But then when I transferred to uh, New Jersey City University, I kind of had to restart again. So the system that I played in and um, the community college was mainly about scoring and playing zone defense. When I went to New Jersey City University, it was about playing defense, man-to-man, full-court press, you know, changing rotations, playing fast break, you know, every play. And it was a little bit difficult for me to adjust in my junior year. So I didn't get a lot of playing time at all. And it was basically a learning year. And my senior year, you know, it was still kind of a learning year. I got a lot more playing time than I did my junior year, but I still didn't play the minutes that I should have played. So my, my you know, transfer to a four-year school, I had to deal with a lot of adversity. But on the bright side, I was able to 
strongly focused on my education while playing ball. And I was able to obtain a 3.76 GPA, obtaining my my bachelor's degree in psychology. So there was a plus side to that. And I was able to join a fraternity. So, you know, I was able to get involved in campus. So after I finished up my senior year, you know, I still had hoop aspirations, but my mother told me to get my education to fall back on just in case basketball didn't work out. So that's when I talked to my coach and I told him I wanted to get my master's degree and I wanted to be a grad assistant. So he put me on the coaching staff and he let me be assistant coach while, you know, going for my master's degree. So it was a great experience because I was able to learn basketball from a coaching perspective as I have already learned it from a player's perspective. And when you learn it from the coach's perspective, you learn a lot more about the game of basketball than you do playing it. So I was able to combine the two and, and just learn and grow. And during my time, you know, being a coach and, and going to school, I was still playing basketball. I was still grinding. This is when I took my grind to a whole other level. And I was in the gym a lot more and just, you know, pick up, picking up on things that I didn't see, you know, a couple of years ago. So I just kept grinding and grinding. Once I graduated, that's when COVID hit. You know, and things were crazy. A lot of people say that COVID affected them in a bad way, but I feel like COVID affected me in a good way because it cut out all the distractions and it forced me to just grind even harder than I already was, you know, because nothing was open. There wasn't anything going on. People were just at home trying to stay safe from the virus. So I was able to, you know, grind, just, you know, go to the track, run, um, be outside and just work on my handles, work on my shot. You know, I had a basketball court that was open by my house. So I was in there every day, every morning, every night. And I just grinded. And when things opened back up, I attended a few combines. And by the time January hit, I was offered a contract to play overseas. And I was able to play my rookie year in a country called Moldova in Europe. And during this time period, you know, things weren't open and COVID was was going rapid and I was blessed to have the opportunity to be able to get a contract, my first contract during a time like this. So when, when it was time for the games to start, I took advantage of it. I led the country in scoring. I averaged 39.5 points a game. I led the country in steals at five steals a game. And it was a great season. It was a great rookie season and it got my, my feet in the door for the overseas market. Shortly after Moldova, I was able to play in the TBL in America I played their last four games and I played exceptionally well in that too. And I just grinded that summer too, played in a lot of leagues, played in a lot of pro-ams, got invited to play in different uh, states for pro-ams. And when it was time for September to come, I signed my second contract playing in Armenia. And while playing in Armenia, I already knew what it was like to play overseas. So I knew what mindset to go in the country with. And I was top 10 in three categories. I was top 10 in scoring, I was top 10 in rebounds, and I was number one in free throw percentage. So that was actually a great season as well from the time I played there. I didn't play the whole season because I was offered a contract to play in Portugal for the second half of the year where I am right now. So I'm currently playing in Portugal. Uh, our team is doing exceptionally well. We're on to the next phase of the season, and we're, we're, we're competing for a championship. We just won our last game on Saturday, and – you know, it's a great experience. It's a lot different from Armenia, but I'm learning and I'm growing as I'm going along. Each country I go to is a higher country and more competition. So the task at hand is getting harder, but it's nothing that I can't do because I, I'm, made, I'm made for this. I'm built for this. This is what I do. I overcome adversity and the grind never stops. 
And that's yeah. why I wanted to be part of your podcast, man. Yeah, because the message across the me- the message across your podcast is the grind doesn't stop. And I feel like the grind is a big part of my life and the grind doesn't stop for me. <laughs> so I feel like this is just great, you know, for me to be a part of this. And uh, well, the question I have for you is after all what you've been through, after all what you've been accomplished so far, what is your goal right now? My goal right now is to win a championship. I want to make sure that, you know, my team wins games, that I am leading the team, you know, to win these games and that I'm doing my part. You know, my job is to score the basketball. They, they want me here to score the basketball. So I'm just going to do my best to make sure I'm playing my role so we can win. And uh, another question I have is, what is the, like, I always hear, like, between, like, like the NBA players, how they play in international and North America. But for you, like, your opinion and the way you experienced it, what's the difference between playing overseas and playing against guys in the States? Okay, there's a big difference. So there's a lot less dribbling overseas. There's a lot of dribbling and fancy, flashy dribbling in the United States. There's a lot less pick and roll and more one-on-one. And the athleticism is a little bit different in the States. A lot, a lot of people are flying in the air every fast break, opposed to some you know players here. They just keep it simple with a layup, even though they have the ability to, to dunk. Um, the playing style is a lot more backdoor cuts and a lot more screens and a lot more handoffs. You know, there's a lot more team play. There's, there's possessions where everyone touches the basketball opposed to one person just isolating and, you know, going to score. Okay. And uh, uh, how do you adjust to life in Europe? That one is very difficult. You know, you're in a foreign country. You don't speak the language. You don't, you know, blend in well because obviously I don't look like I'm from Europe. So (laughs) it's just me blending in and um, getting adjusted to the culture and the way to to survive here. You know, it's it's a lot different than the United States, but this is not my first time being in Europe. This is my third time. So this time around, I'm definitely able to adjust. And in my future career, I'll be able to adjust to any situation that comes my way. That's a big part of my life. Like I have told you, changing schools, adapting to different people, different friendships, different teachers. You know, a lot of kids growing up, they have the same teacher for like X amount of years. I've had so many different teachers. I have so many different classmates. I have so many different friend groups, you know, and I've always learned to adapt to each one of those situations. So that's always been me. That's why, you know, playing basketball overseas doesn't really bother me because I've been adapting to situations my whole life. I've been and, uncomfortable. And uh, for all of our viewers who have been asking, uh, who, who are the famous players you ever played with and had great communication with? Famous players I've played with and had great communication with? Well, I don't. I haven't played with a lot of famous players, but it's one player that's from New Jersey. He's actually a friend of mine. His name is Jesse Jones, and he's somebody I play with that I would consider famous because he does a lot for New Jersey and he does a lot for the community. And me and him have pretty good communication. I talk to him on a daily basis. He's a really good guy, 
and he's a really good basketball player. Yeah, like, uh, well, before I continue asking questions, uh, I want to tell you how appreciated for you to come on this show because, man, grind never stops. And I, even for me, I have a story myself. I I didn't have a great uh, childhood, didn't have a great job. Things were going bad, but I just never gave up on life. And that's what you and that's what other people, players like Carmelo Anthony you think he he could retire right now but he's not he just wants to make a statement grind it's not just winning a title when you're old and at the end of your career you just want to grind and show the world that dreams never finish you yeah like Fred Van Fleet bet on yourself undrafted and look at it now so it's just people should not give up on their dreams and they just keep grinding and grinding. And people that criticize yourself or me or other people, they should take that as motivation. And sometimes maybe you'll take it personal, but you're just going to take it in and then just grind and grind and grind. Grind, man. It so, never stops. Every day there's a new grind. There's a lot. Every day you wake up and you're going to deal with some type of adversity. It's never going to be perfect. You just got just to gotta get through it and keep grinding. And uh, which NBA player, current or retired, you look at him and say, this uh, this made me who I am today? Definitely Paul Pierce. Uh, he's my favorite player of all time. I'm a big Celtics fan. And his grind never stopped. You know, he was definitely an underrated basketball player that kept grinding and made himself one of the greatest basketball players to ever play the game. And even to this day, I feel like he doesn't get a lot of recognition for what he's done. But the real the real basketball fans know that Paul Pierce is one of the, the greatest. And he won a championship for the Celtics. So they can never take that away from him. That's all that matters. Like, doesn't matter. Like, I know winning a championship either in the NBA or overseas, it's always the best. But I think that you just got to believe in yourself. And that's why you have, like, you, you you probably never play with a famous, famous player, but it's not about being famous or not famous. You just need a guy to always be there to talk to you with, not just basketball, but off-the-court stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, I want to ask you a question is, like, what is your best skill set? My best skill set is probably my jump shot. Um, have a pretty good jump shot, especially in the mid-range area. I can kill you in the mid-range area. Can work off the screen and roll. I can attack. I can, you know, shoot off the dribble. Um, you know, oh. I get my jump shot for sure. So if I call my boy Demar, you think you can beat him in the game of horse? In the mid-range? Yeah. I think so. Are we talking about threes? I mean, threes, I'm, I'm pretty good at. I still got to work on my three. You know, uh, I haven't had the best three-point percentage this year. You know, I shot 65% from three in Moldova. You know, right now I'm hovering over 30, so I got to get that up. But mid-range, I don't know. I kill in, I kill in the mid-range all day, man. So, I don't know. DeMar going to have a – if he do win, he ain't going to win easy. You know, it's going to be a good one. I'm going to give him his money's worth. Oh, yeah. And uh... – Another question I have for you is, 
I know it's been this kind of debate has been going on for a long, not a long time, but do you think stats are important? Like, do you follow stats? I think stats are very important. I feel like you should also watch film too because you don't know. Maybe there's things that a person does that the stats don't show up, like, you know, taking charges in the clutch, you know, being a great defender, stopping the best player. You know, you don't necessarily have to get steals. You can stop the, the, the player from scoring by disrupting their shot. You can, you know, make them turn the ball over. I feel like film is more important than steals. I mean, uh, the stats, because the film is like you get to see what's really going on and how those stats happen. Because a person can have 30, but he could score, like, easy layups at the end when they, when their team is losing by 50. And, you know, when, when a team is up by a lot of points, they don't really play much defense because they know they're going to win the game and the game's not as intense. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like film is, is really the important aspect of, uh, of the game. Yeah, I think, like, analytics stats is very important because I know there's a lot of guys in the NBA, like Lowry, who doesn't have big games but still makes an impact, like, 90% yeah. of the game. And another question. People will probably look at Kyle Lowry and be like, why is he not performing at the level that he has? But if you watch the games, you'll see the difference that he makes in the games that help his team win. So is Draymond Green. Draymond Green, for sure. Like, yeah, he might have, like, stab, but he doesn't need to score to make an impact on the, on that game. And the thing about Draymond Green is he knows he's surrounded by scorers, so he knows his role on the court. And that's very important, being a team player and, and competing for a championship. Each player has to know their role on the team. Everybody can't be that guy to score 30 every game. Somebody has to take the back seat and to do other things to help the team win. For example, look at Dwayne Wade when he played with LeBron James. He was the man. He won a championship before LeBron came, and he was one of the best players in the league. When LeBron James came, he took a seat back a little bit. He still, you know, put up great numbers, but he took a step back, you know, and let LeBron kind of just take over the team while he still put up great numbers as well, and they were able to win two championships. So, And I think it's not that easy to win a title because I know if I ask you right now, what if you're a GM right now and what do you need to become a championship? You're going to say, I need all-stars. I need this. I need that. But you saw the first year when Brooklyn got hard and Katie and Kyrie, they lost LeBron with uh, AD. They, they, they won, but it was the bubble season. And look at them now. Um, Look at LeBron, Wade, Chris Bosh, Ray Allen, Mike Miller. What happened in the first year? Ray Allen wasn't with them, but look what happened. They got blown out by random-ass teams. So my question to you, what is required to win a title? Um, Team togetherness and heart. You got to make sure you have heart. You know what I'm saying? When things get rough, you got to make sure you're together and you never give up. All of that superstar power is great, but the the championship comes from the heart and, and the will and the grind. You know what I'm saying? Every game got to be like game seven. You can't be like, oh, I'm up 3-0 or I'm up 3-1 and we can just chill this game. You got to play it like 
I guess game seven, every game. Leave it all out there. You know, when you win a championship, you can rest. You know, you can rest once you win. But you got to win. Same thing. Rest, rest during the series. Yeah, same thing uh, when the, in the bubble when the Celtics played the Raptors. And even Jason Tatum said the other day that that series was – was very hard. Like even though they won in Game Seven, Jason Tatum knows what Raptors are. It's chemistry. They believe in each other, and it's hard and it's grind. Never give up. And who cares if no one talks about the Toronto Raptors? It's just about you believing in yourself. Because man, you're trying to tell me that old ass Jason Kidd was an all-star or Deshaun Stevenson or uh, all the, or all these guys that were on the maps when they won the title, it was all about Dirk and Dirk was good, man. He averaged 28 points per game or 27 points per game, but he's not a guy where he's going to blow you out, you know? So that's what ends the conversation where maybe today you need all-stars because every single team have a bunch of all-stars, but back then you just needed to grind to everyone to do the role and, and make big shots. But the, the question I have for you is what would you do if you're down one or you're down two points and your all-star uh, is struggling? He's shooting one for 10. What do you tell your guys? I'll tell them keep shooting the ball. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So if you're the all-star and you that guy, and you've been that guy for the longest, you got to take that shot. Yes, for sure. And uh, there's been a debate since that list came up, the NBA 75 list. Give me one player that you think was on it and didn't deserve it, and give me one player that wasn't on it and deserves to be on I feel like they should have took Damian Lillard off of it. Why? He was on it. Yeah, he was on it. Why? Yeah. I feel like he he's done a lot for the league, but I feel like there's a couple players that done a lot more than him that should be on there. Like, I don't even think they put Kyrie Irving on there. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving should definitely be on there before Damian Lillard. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I've seen Kyrie Irving play before in person. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he's from New Jersey. He's the the most skilled point guard in the league by far. And I feel like he should have been on there, to be honest. I also feel like Tracy McGrady should have been on there, too. And uh, I agree with you. And I was shocked when I saw Dame there because he hasn't done big time in the playoffs. Yes, he had. Yeah, of course. Championship before, like you, we talking about Kyrie Irving, somebody that has a ring, you know, somebody who changed the game, you know, best handles in the league, could finish on anyone, and has a championship against the Warriors in their prime, and hit big shots and played very well. Yeah, he he's gotten hurt. Yeah, he got his issue with the COVID, but you know, he's done a lot for the league and. I feel like he deserves it, especially over somebody like Damian Lillard, who was a great player, but top 75, no, maybe top 100 for sure, but not top 75. 
I don't think Dame is just he's not there just yet. Because once he wins titles, once he beats teams, goes to the final, he hasn't been to the finals yet. Because, man, there's a lot of players that deserve to be on it. And I just feel Dwight Howard, Tony Parker, Clay Thompson, T-Mac, Vince, like all these boys, man, they deserve to be on. Because Vince Carter, he played in the league for three decades. And wasn't on that list. You know, Dwight yeah. Howard, I know he's like, right now he's like kind of a, like not as he used to be, but he dominated that paint for a long time. Yeah, for real. And Clay, I know a lot of, there was a lot of memes about it, but I think Clay Thompson deserves to be on that list. But I don't think, like, maybe Clay is taking it personal, but I think in deep inside of him, he's going to he's gonna go off once he's back into his routine. Because right now it's just, like, just limited minutes, you know? But once the grind starts, it's when he's going to make a statement. Yep. But uh, thank you for coming to my show. It's... It's been a dream come true as you'll, you'll, you're the first athlete to, and we had a lot of athletes uh, send us a message, but we haven't had the time to set up uh, like an interview. So, and uh, I, I'll put your, uh, you can follow my boy Campbell. Uh, his Instagram will be in the description. And uh, everyone, thanks for watching this interview. You can check us out on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and all your podcast platforms. This is your host, DJ Joe, and this is my guest, Campbell. Peace. Thank you.